It took them 18 attempts, but Vigalta Sendai finally recorded another victory as they stunned second place Gamba Osaka. We look at all the results from a weekend of upsets as the bottom seven teams all pick up points. There's chat too about scheduling issues and do we really need international friendlies right now? That's what's coming up on this week's episode of Japan Soccer Weekly. Alright, so usually we dive straight into a roundup of all the matches, but it would be doing Vagalta Sendai a disservice if we didn't talk about their impressive and somewhat unexpected 4-0 away thrashing of Gamba Osaka. Man of the match was Shun Nagasawa, who against his former club bagged a hat-trick and ended Vagalta Sendai's 17-game winless run. This result was a huge shock because Gamba have been on a really impressive and steady run as of late coming into this match on the back of a 12-game unbeaten streak. But right from kickoff, it was clear they just weren't at the races at all. Shoddy defending in the second minute, from which they barely escaped from, should have been a warning and a call to action. However, they still never reacted. It took a little bit longer until the first goal arrived, but eventually the visitors took the lead in the 17th minute. Some more suspect defending, which has to be said was flaky at best. Seemingly nobody willing to put themselves in harm's way meant Para's long ball found Cuenca with space down the left flank. Left flank, even. Strong play from Cuenca enabled him to pull the ball back to Nagasawa, who rocketed the ball into the roof of the net. There was nothing that Gamarosaka's keeper Higashiguchi could do for the first goal, but it has to be said that he unfortunately won't enjoy looking back at the highlights of this match. I think, personally, I think he had an absolute nightmare. I don't know, maybe I'm being too critical on him, but I'd have to suggest that he should have done better for all three of the following goals, the second of which came just on the stroke of half-time. A simple cross into the box found the defence and Higashiguchi all ball-watching and rooted to the spot. Nobody moved. The keeper not moving towards the ball allowed Nagasawa to sneak in front of him and head in his second goal of the game. His hat-trick came late in the second half and was a clear example of how Osaka hadn't learned their lesson. Across, this time from the opposite side, exposed the same failings in Gamba's defending, all rooted to the spot, all ball-watching, and all of them allowing Nagasawa to ghost in unchallenged. This is where perhaps I'm going to be harsh on the keeper, but if you have a look at his reaction on the highlights... It's weird. It's quite strange. It's, it feels like he's moving through soup or something, like reacting late. He looks like he almost dives in slow motion and almost diving directionless. It's quite hard to explain, but he barely moves towards the path of the ball at all. His game didn't really improve either, as the last goal was perhaps the most suspect of them all. Yes, there was power on the drive from Yanagi, and yes, it was in the 88th minute, but Higashiguchi was beaten so, so easily. And we all have bad days. But after the great run of form from Gamba Osaka that they've been on recently, multiple clean sheets, and with Higashiguchi currently being Japan's first string keeper, it was a very uncharacteristically poor performance from him and all of the back line here. Let's not take that away from Sendai though, who were excellent, huge credit 
for taking away three points from the Panasonic Stadium, which very few teams can boast doing this season. The only downside to this weekend for Sendai was the fact that all of their rivals picked up points as well. Just above them, Shimizu S-Pulse beat another Osaka-based team, Ceresa Osaka 3-1, whilst fellow strugglers Shonan Belmare capped off a great week with a third consecutive win. Shonan confined Vissel Kobe to a fourth defeat on the bounce, and they really look like they've downed tools now, Kobe. They're settled firmly in the bottom half of the table. It looks like they're focused basically only on the Asian Champions League now, and they're just coasting to the end here of the season in the J-League. Victories all round mean Vigalta still lay bottom of the table, three points adrift, and yet to actually win at home this season. So that's their next challenge. But it'll be interesting to see if this victory can give them a bit of renewed hope, uh, some motivation as we come into the end of the season, and hopefully spice up the race to avoid the drop. Shimizu, Shonan Belmare and Sagantosu are the teams you'd say are within reach of them, but all of them are on quite good runs at the moment, so Vagalto will have to press on if they're to overhaul their opponents anytime soon. As a heads up, Sendai will actually play Sagantosu on the 25th of November, and Shimizu will actually play Shonan on the 29th. So it's all to play for in November and a huge couple of weeks coming up in that fight at the bottom of the table. Jumping ahead way too far, but for the sake of narrative and drama, the last game day of the season will see current bottom in 18th place Vigalta Sendai play 16th placed Shonan Balmare. It's obviously far too early to say, uh, but that potential for it to go right down to the wire is there. Elsewhere then, Nagoya, they moved up to third place with a 95th minute winner against FC Tokyo. Huge result for Nagoya, who are now just three points behind Osaka in second place. So I've been warning for a while now that FC Tokyo's position is uh, deceptive at best. And with Sereso Osaka just one place below them, and with a whopping four games in hand on them, you can expect to see FC Tokyo to drop further and further and further. It's hard to say, but I honestly think, after being second for so long, I, I honestly think they'll settle somewhere like seventh by the end of the season, but time will tell. Congratulations as well this week to Kashima Antlers, the coolest named team in the league, who held leaders Kawasaki to a 1-1 draw with a hard-fought match. And it was goals galore in the game between Yokohama and Urawa Reds. This was such an entertaining watch, just abrupt chaos in the first half. 3-0 within 13 minutes, 4-1 by half-time, 6-2 at full-time. There was a hat-trick in there, there were shots off the bar, there was an own goal in there too. We were probably a red card and maybe a fight breaking out between the mascots, short of having absolutely everything in this match. Santos's second goal, which made it 4-1, should have been saved by the keeper, but I've ranted enough about goalkeeping already this podcast. Attention needs instead to go to the own goal, unfortunately. It was a beautiful through ball for the Reds that forced the Marinos keeper to sprint out of his net, but his clearance absolutely cleaned out his own defender. It was the type of own goal you see on Sunday League football compilations. 
Uh, but just one of those things that can happen in the moment, you know. Like, I haven't seen many own goals scored from this far out, it has to be said. It was a manic first half. But after the whistle blew, it was followed by a much more composed second half. Still a lot of action, but with all three of the second half goals being really well-worked goals in complete stark contrast to those that had preceded them. Okay, that's the league roundup finished then. Up next, we'll have a very, very brief chat about the J2, where opposite ends of the table had very contrasting weekends. J2, and it was a mixed weekend for teams on Shikoku. First, Tokushima, who are back on top, continuing their impressive surge towards the title with a victory against Yamagata. That's five in a row for them now, and they've actually overcome some really difficult and tricky matches as of late. At the bottom of the league, however, fellow Shikokuans, Ehime FC, unfortunately cancelled their match a little while before kickoff due to positive corona result for a first team player. Uh, there were three or four other first team players who were also sus- who also were suspected cases but it looks like there is only one positive result out as of now. Either way, this meant that Ehime had to postpone their match with Kofu, and this match has since been rescheduled for 9th of December. Again, the J-League's transparency, speed of adapting here is really impressive. Although I do feel for those players at the moment who must be finding it seriously tough in this packed schedule. It's non-stop. All of which actually brings us nicely to unnecessary tournaments and sort of daft little risks. With both Ehime FC and Kashima Antlers recently turning up positive COVID results, the question has to be asked, do we really need more games and more travel right now? So currently the J-League schedule is insane. It's two games a week on average for each team, meaning that the long spring break is being compensated for by jamming in all of those missed matches until the season finale in late December. To me that, you know, it makes sense. If it's being done in as safe as way as possible and with lots of testing and preventative measures in place, I understand that's arguably the best solution there is. With that being said, did Japan really need to play an international friendly against Panama at the weekend? Surely not. I mean, for starters... I'm sorry, this is a bit rude, but Panama are not a huge team. It's not going to be a very competitive game, arguably not going to be a very entertaining game. With the high outbreak in Europe right now, with multiple lockdowns occurring, it seems like just a foolish endeavour to push forward with these matches. Obviously, Japan aren't the only team doing this, but I'm just highlighting this game. Out of interest, due to travel restrictions, there were no Japanese-based players at all in the Japanese team, and it was comprised solely of players based in Europe. Europe, which at the moment is exploding in new cases, and having all these players travel to Austria for friendlies, to me, just seems insane. Another aspect of this is the injury rate at the moment. It is through the roof. So players in Europe didn't get a pre-season, and there have been countless warnings about the risks this could cause. For example, look at Liverpool's back line now. The entire of that starting back line has basically been taken out with injury. 
Mo Salah just returned a positive result and will now miss games. And there's surely more cases going to be coming up from these international friendlies. I think yesterday, Jordan Henderson also now picked up an injury. That's their midfield also suffering from this. The Premier League alone is currently registered 90 injured players so far this season. It all seems hugely unnecessary. Now, Japan have another match today, actually, tonight against Mexico. And what's, really, what's this going to achieve? I'm not sure. Like, there's no fans. There's no real money generated and countless risks to players and staff. The same can be said for the Asian Champions League as well, I think. I get that this one is a little different because there will be obligations to sponsors, arrangements already in place, but already one of the 16 teams in the Asian Champions League has had to pull out with Malaysian team JDT not receiving permission to travel. This now leaves 15 out of 16 teams battling it out for the AFL trophy in Qatar. So it's far from a normal tournament scheduling wise, but also it just doesn't seem balanced. You have to look at the Asian, well, you have to look at the teams from Australia first. They're arriving fresh. They finished their season in August, whereas teams from China, Korea and Japan must be knackered, surely giving an advantage to the three teams from Australia. But overall, they're pushing forward with it despite these conditions. I just want to read you a bit from an article in the Japan Times about just what it's like at the moment. Opposition from South Korea, Japan and China arrived in Qatar tired and depleted after having either just finished or about to finish grueling domestic seasons. Perth's first opponents, Shanghai Shenhua, had 11 injuries in its final league Chinese Super League game earlier this week and could not fill its substitutes bench. International commitments will also affect some teams. Uh, Beijing starts without Chinese Super League top scorer Bakambu as the striker has flown to Africa to help Congo qualify for the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations. Shanghai forward Arnautovic is also in action for Austria while South Korea's Horangi has four players in action for national team in Europe who will then head to Qatar to participate in the later group games. While Chinese and South Korean teams have just finished their domestic season, Japan's J-League is just reaching its conclusion. Yokohama FC Marinos, Vissel Kobe and FC Tokyo will split their rosters in two in order to compete at opposite ends of the continent at the same time. It's far from ideal for any of the teams, but just finishing the tournament is priority. That's what the article says. I mean... Is it priority, finishing that tournament? It sounds awful. High risk of injury, high risk of transmissions, low benefit. I mean, yes, it's a trophy for these clubs, but is it that coveted? Would one season out really make a difference? I understand that tournaments like this need to be played, and there are lots of finances and contracts at work that we don't really understand, but it definitely feels like there must be a better way around it. Anyway, that's a bit of a negative note to end this week on and a bit of a rant as well. Sorry for going on there. That's about five minutes more than I wanted to do. Um, So yeah, go and watch the highlights of Marinos versus the Reds to cheer yourself up. That's eight goals to watch. 
So today is the 16th, 17th, something like that. And on Wednesday, Vigalta Sendai will take their newfound confidence into a match against out-of-form FC Tokyo. It is a big chance for Sendai, so don't forget to tune in for that and see how it goes. That will do for now, though. Have a good week, everyone, and I'll be back next week to discuss all the goings-on on Japan Soccer Weekly. (laughs) 